You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you are into hunting, fishing, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. All right, this week I get a chance to sit down with Rose Schneider from the Grasshopper's Mermaid. And the Grasshopper's Mermaid is a lifestyle apparel brand. Um, They make uh, bags, they make stickers, they make hoodies, they make t-shirts, just a ton of really cool stuff um, with a ton of really, really cool designs. I mean, um, I, I will certainly put the, the website kind of in the show notes, but, um, I highly encourage you guys, uh, to take a look because they have, I think Rose touches on it that something like over 4,000 designs, um, that they have either had or, or have currently, um, just a, a slew of really cool designs. Uh, and it all is supporting, um, a ton of great causes. Uh, Rose and I certainly get into that and how they are kind of deciding uh, where a lot of their donations, where a lot of their time uh, is going when it comes to to giving back. Rose and I also get to spend some time um, talking about her upbringing, um, the influence that her grandfather had on her. Um, uh, He was a game warden in the state of Wisconsin um, and she carries around, um, you know, a little piece of him wherever she goes. And it's kind of a reminder for her of, you know, why she, or, you know, where she's at, why she's where, why, let me, let me try that one again. 
she carries it as a reminder, uh, as kind of why she is where she is at in her life. Um, and all of the, the good, um, kind of land stewardship, um, that he instilled, uh, upon her throughout uh, their time together. Um, really, really cool story. And, uh, the influence and it's one that I think a lot of us, uh, listeners, um, can relate to, uh, and maybe it wasn't a grandpa, maybe it was, you know, a dad or a brother or an uncle or a mother or an aunt or, or anything like that. But having that kind of, um, steadfast, uh, person in your corner, uh, who is always with you kind of through thick and thin and, and really instilled a lot, uh, into you and, and kind of helped shape you into the, um, to the adult that you've become, uh, is certainly one that, that touches home. Um, yeah, we get into certainly the name, the grasshoppers mermaid and its uniqueness and, and really, uh, what the name means. Um, and yeah, Rose and I just have, uh, all around just a great conversation. Um, one that I think you guys will certainly enjoy. So episode 155 with Rose Schneider. Enjoy everybody. All right. Rose Schneider, welcome to the podcast. How are you this evening? I'm good. How are you today? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, I'm glad that we made it this far because we had to overcome some technical difficulties here uh, to get things started, but nevertheless, we prevailed. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you because I think I, I first saw Grasshopper's Mermaid just on the Fish and Wildlife, the 2% page, business page, because I partner with 2% for the podcast. So I'm kind of always like stalking the business page on there to see like if new people have been new companies and new businesses have been added. Um, and I, I stumbled across you guys and we've been at this for a while trying to find a time that works for both of us. So no, I'm, I'm excited to hear more about yourself and the company and, and all that is that you guys do over there. Yeah, we, it's great to be finally here with you. It's definitely taken a minute and <laughs> I'm 33, but my tech tech level if I function at about a 90 year old woman so to get here I'm glad we both made it it's it's good to be here yeah so Rose before we dive into Grasshopper's Mermaid tell the listeners a bit about yourself and you know where you come from kind of your upbringing and all that stuff yeah so um I am 33 I live in Colorado that's where the company is that's where the company started back in 2017 I was not always in retail. My degree was um, in journalism. I have a BA in, BA in international journalism and a double minor in advertising and multimedia. So I used to work for newspapers, magazines. I was a bartender for 15 years. Um, I've traveled all over the world doing that. And I landed myself in Colorado back in, I think it was late 2014 or early 2014. Um, and I just needed a break from bartending with there's a lot of weird circumstances that kind of put me here. But uh, yeah, that's when I started my company. So. So where were you from originally before you landed in Colorado? I was born in Wisconsin. Ah, Midwest. All right. I like to yes. hear it. Yep. There's a lot I of don't us sound like it, but that's where I'm from. You know, that's the funny thing about the Midwest is whether in the East Coast, West Coast, whatever, down you know, from the South, people always think we have from the Midwest, we have an accent. I don't see it. I don't, Mm -mm. I don't hear it. Right. Sometimes with my vowels, I'll drag them pretty hard. Like if I say bag or I don't know, a few things that comes out a few different (laughs) ways, but for the most part, I think I'm pretty clean (laughs) with my speech. I do notice that there is a lot of transplants from the Midwest that land in Colorado. I don't know if it's just the allure of the mountains. Like, I mean, Colorado is just 
it's an absolutely beautiful state. I mean, we talked about it for a second before we were recording that I, my wife and I get out there regularly every year. Um, we take the kids. Like, There's just so many things to do out there, uh, especially if you love the outdoors. I mean, it's kind of a, a paradise for, for people like us that love being outside. Yeah, 100%. Um, when I landed out here, I'd never seen mountains before. And I remember when I moved out and I was driving, I I saw the horizon and it was clouds mixed with mountains. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going up there. Yep. Like, I'm going into those mountains. Like, how do how do you get up there? How do people live up there? Like, my whole concept was just – it was so foreign. But um, I left Colorado briefly for about two years. I moved to Nashville and took the company to Nashville and I could not get back fast enough. Like I have a whole love affair. It's nothing against Tennessee specifically. It's just I have a love affair with Colorado and the mountains and it's beautiful yeah. and I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to call this home. I'm very fortunate. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So bouncing around, you know, uh, as a bartender and how did you kind of find yourself in the retail space? But I, I, I think I'm putting the cart before the horse here. Tell people about Grasshopper's Mermaid, um, the company, and then we can kind of transition into how you decided to to make kind of a, a right turn in, or a left turn, I suppose, and, and find yourself in the retail space. Yeah. So um, Grasshopper's Mermaid, like I said, it was started in 2017. We started out as an apparel company. I had two different designs. We did really well with the shirts. People were asking for what else they could sell the product on. I went around you know, store to store. I was, you know, younger. I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't, I don't even know why anyone took any products that I had because literally door to door sales as a tatted up, you know, whatever girl, I had no idea what I was doing, but people loved the art and they believed in what we were doing. And so, um, we went from the, the two t-shirt designs, we transitioned into stickers initially. So that's kind of where we went from the start. Uh, and then we grew. And when I went to my first trade show, it was the Denver Mart. And that was maybe like nine months, maybe 12 months in. I had someone come up to me that had a store in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And she was like, oh, I love your stuff. You know, do you guys have your coastal stuff here? And I lied straight through my teeth. We did not have any coastal stuff at the time. But I was like, when do you want your order? She's like, oh, not till right before spring break. And this was in the fall. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. You want a floor display. This is our biggest display. Absolutely. Like, you know, we just don't bring that art to these shows because this is a mountain show, you know, and I was like freaking out. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, You can say shit. But, it's okay. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, shit. That was definitely. <laughs> um, I was like, well, what the hell? Like, what are we going to do? And so I just I completely lied through my teeth. And that's how we we went from mountain designs to coastal designs relatively quickly. Um, and then the rest was kind of history. We, you know, like I said, we started with two designs on t-shirts. We now have almost 4,000 different designs. That's We're crazy. putting out, you know, we have a ton. <laughs> 4, so there's a lot to choose from. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I have, um, you know, I have some of the same artists that were with me since day one, which I'm, I'm really fortunate. Some of the same girls still draw for me, which is great. So it's been a cool journey and I'm, I'm really proud of all the things that we've done. Yeah. So you said you started that in 2017? Yep, in January of 2017. So <clears throat> how did you come up with the idea? Like, what was it that that inspired to say, okay, like, I, I, I not even necessarily, like, if you look at the big picture, like, not even, oh, I want to get into the retail space or, or like, the retail business, right? Like, maybe it was Because just... I didn't. I didn't yeah. know that I was... I didn't know this is where I was going to end up. Believe me, that was not, like, on the horizon for me. Yeah. But what, I guess, what made you take that first step to decide to you know, design a couple of shirts or have a couple of shirts designed and then actually turn around and sell those 
you know, like how, how was that first like sales interaction? Was it just to like friends and family? Like, did you actually like go to like a small trade show or something? What did that kind of process look like? Sure. Well, I guess the easiest way would be to like look back a little further. So I was bartending, like I quit, I was still doing freelance reporting when I moved back, when I moved out to Colorado, when I moved to Breckenridge, I was doing stuff remotely for some newspapers and magazines in other states. But um, the mental health situation in Colorado, it can be kind of toxic in the winter. There's a lot of people who have a lot of substance abuse issues. So like the bar scene for me was kind of just, it got to be really too much. And I was training for a half Ironman race. And so I had to step away from the bar scene just because, you know, you wake up, you're at the bar to like four or five in the morning and then you have to go run a half marathon. You have to swim, you know, a mile, whatever. And so I just stepped away and my grandpa had passed away the year I moved to Colorado. That's actually kind of how I ended up out here um, was after his passing and he was really important to me. And so I stepped away and I just wanted to do something that was positive because of all the toxicity that I was around at that time in the bar scene and everything in Colorado. Um, up in the mountains. And so I didn't really know what I was going to do. I didn't, I didn't have this whole like thought process of like, Hey, I want to do apparel. I want to do stickers. I want to do anything. It was just like, I had been doing bartending for so long. I knew that there wasn't a lot of money in journalism, although I loved writing. I just wanted to do something that I would make me feel good and would make me feel happy. And my grandpa, he was a game warden. And um, like I said, super influential in my life. And so I just wanted to do something where I could give back. I just wanted warm fuzzies, get back to animals. I love animals, love the environment. Being in Colorado, like how could you not want to make this place better and protect other places like it? So um, that's kind of how that all started and transpired. And so here I was trying to think of like how to do that. And I was like, I'm a girl. I like clothes. You know, I'm going to (laughs) design something that I would want to wear. And um, that's kind of like how that whole situation kind of looped in. And I ended up with, you know, these designs or whatever and on these shirts. And then when I finally figured it out, we got the art ready and everything. I had the images and I went around and yeah, I I went store to store to store, Breckenridge, Colorado, downtown Main Street and found people who wanted to give me a shot. And that's where, that's where it came from. That's incredible. I mean, a few things from, from, from what you were just mentioning there. One, isn't it unfortunate that professions like journalism, writing, that, like you said, like they're not very lucrative, like they're not real high paying, but like to me, it's such a an important thing. And it, like in writing, I mean, whether you're, you know, an author who writes books, whether you're, you know, you're covering for a local newspaper, you write for a magazine, whatever the case is, right? Like the words that people put on paper, like have the ability to like really move people, right? I mean, how many times have you read a book, read an article, whatever, and like brings you to tears, right? Like it just, it moves you, right? Like I feel like there's, there's few things in life that can kind of really drum up your emotions. Like I think, you know, well-written, whatever it is. And like music, like those are two things that like can kind of instantly like transport you back to a, a really sad time, a really yeah. happy time, like whatever the case is. And like that takes a special talent in my opinion. And maybe I said, because I'm, I can't do it. Right. But I, I can recognize it when I see it, I guess. I, th- I think you're right. And And I guess the way that I still feel like that I can do that, because I feel like I was a really good writer, but I feel like art has the same sort of connection and spark for people. It elicit, you know, can elicit feelings and, you know, all sorts of emotion and it can motivate you. It can make you happy. It can make you sad. And art designs are not super whimsical, but, you know, they're 
they're fun and they encompass, you know, that moment and that place that that person was. And, and I think that there's a part of me that kind of holds on to that. And I think it kind of pushes into to what we do with TGM um, from that part of my life, like my past life. TGM. I'm just going to refer to it that because grasshoppers mermaid is a mouthful. It is. <laughs> and I know I'm going to butcher it at least once. I mean, it's like with the average conservationist, right? Like I, it's a mouthful and people are like, did you ever think of like naming it something different? I'm like, well, yeah, in hindsight, sure. Something that was easier <laughs> to spell, easier to just say, because so I, I make my company makes apparel as well. Like that's lifestyle apparel brand is, is what I started as before I kind of got into to podcasting. And I have a shirt that's just very simple, just on the front. It just says average conservationist. And the amount of people who look at that and say average conservative or average, <laughs> which I don't even think this is a word, but conversationalist uh, is one <laughs> that I get a lot of times. Um, so I either get like a funny look. Like, oh, like, man, this guy's a proud conservative, right? He's, he's wearing it on his shirt. Or like they laugh because they're like, oh, he's an average con- conversationalist. Like he must be okay at talking to people kind of thing. So it's, yeah, I, I can appreciate the the truncated version. So TGM, we're going to go with that. TGM, yep. Um, I, I like that you had something that brought you so much joy and that you're still able to kind of find an, find that outlet through your designs, through, you know, the things that you guys are creating. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that's got to be something that really kind of makes you happy, keeps you going and, and keeps everything fresh and fun. And, and what it's what keeps you coming back day after day. Absolutely. And I, the accounts that we have and the people that we get to work with and the people who have our art in their stores, like I am so humbled and so proud to say that I work with some of those people. Like we just started working with NASA and I legitimately teared up and cried when I was typing out the address label to send it out. Just knowing, you know, like I went there as a kid, like I went to the Kennedy Space Center with my grandpa. He's one of the last places I went with him that I remember and I now they have my stuff. And we designed this really cute little astronaut that says, don't quit your daydream or something like that. Kayla, go grab that one so I can read it. Um, it's it's really cute. And so like just to know that they have those things and it's just it's so humbling. And I just I have to slap myself and pinch myself half the time just knowing that, you know, we work with these these amazing accounts and they're so excited about our product, just as excited as I am probably not as excited as I am, but they're excited to, you know, work with us. So this is the sticker. It says, don't outgrow your dreams. And it's a little astronaut holding oh, up. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really cute. So I like that. Yeah. So just real cool stuff like that. Like, I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. There's, there's always another account or, you know, someone I want to work with or something, you know, I want to do a goal that I have with the company to grow bigger and to, to work with someone new and to make a difference and to get our art out there in the world. So 2017, you get everything started off the ground. You're going door to door in downtown Breck. You're, you're trying to pedal your stuff. You're trying to, you know, get some floor space in these, in these, um, you know, I don't even want to say mom and pop shop, but these, you know, it's, I mean, anyone who's been to a lot of these mountain towns like Breck and Vail, like there's this, you know, a small downtown area, a lot of great shops, you know, people come from all over the world to places like Breck and and this in Colorado for their vacations, whether they're skiing or they just want to like enjoy the mountain life for, you know, yeah. for a week or a few days or whatever. At what point did you say, I, I have something here, we have something here, right? Like we can actually give this a real go. 
Oh, as soon as there was, um, there was a store in Breck that had a few stores. I think they had three locations in Breck. They had one in Vail. And when, when that first year picked up and the reorders were coming in and we were having to go check on that store, like every other week, I knew it was catching on and I knew that was a thing. And then when I got that first call for that floor display out of Gulf Shores that they were like, we want to reorder. I was like, shit, (laughs) this, this is good. (laughs) Like this is people believe in this. It's not just some random crap. Like this is, this is a thing. People actually like what we're doing. So let's go back to that story because you said like, obviously you're like, I'm lying through my teeth and I know that I am because I'm telling oh, you, oh yeah. yeah, like we just brought them out and stuff because this isn't like a, a coastal uh, trade show. How panicked were you to try to like come up with designs? And I'm sure you don't just want to put anything out there, right? Like you want the same pride in that as you would in anything else. Mm-hmm. But was it like super like touch and go to be able to fulfill that order or for them to you know, really like the designs that you were coming up with? No, um, I was actually pretty fortunate. I don't even think she asked to see anything. She just loved what she saw for the yeah. mountain stuff. So she was just like, oh yeah, you have it. That's fine. We love what we're seeing here. Just name drop it with this, send it off. This is the address. This is whatever we need it by this date. Good to go. Like, honestly, that was probably the best worst case scenario all in yeah. one that I got for first, like, Hey, you need to develop 120 new designs in the next few months. Like, let's get up and go. And that was really good for me because as I started doing more shows, like the amount of art that comes out of some of these shows, like we do um, the Gatlinburg show or the Smoky Mountain gift show. That's our best show as far as getting new accounts. But we come out of that show with, I don't know, somewhere between like sometimes a hundred to 150 new custom pieces per show. I mean, so it really helps to that. That was a good start. Like everything that's happened, I guess I've been very fortunate. It has you know, pushed us in the right direction, kind of shaped us for the next big thing that's come along that I didn't know we were going to get, you know, but we've been so fortunate to have. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, having met you all of 20 minutes ago, <laughs> I think that that's probably a testament to your hard work and your determination and, you know, not wanting to see this thing fail. And I mean, if, if you have the, I don't even know what the right word is here, but if, if you have that it, that it factor, right? To want to go out, to create something from scratch, to then believe in it to the point where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go to these different stores that I know of. I'm going to start knocking on doors. I'm going to, you know, kind of cold call people essentially, right? To, to get their business, to try to get our products in here. I mean, I think, you know, your success and the success of TGM is probably uh, a byproduct of the work that you guys have all put in over the last, you know, six years, almost six years. Yeah. And I, I think it's also probably the reporter in me. It's like, you don't know, isn't something that people say to you and you just walk away and say, okay, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get that story. I'm just going to go back and tell my editor that that didn't work out. That's, yeah. I don't know. It's between that and that Midwest mentality, you know, that hustle it's, there it is. It's, I, I have that and I, I will, anything I do, I, I always believe in putting yourself in a situation where you can't go backwards. It's always forward progression. It's always something bigger, something better. So with TGM, that's that's how it's been, and that's how it's going to continue to be. There's always something else to go after. All right. So TGM, I mentioned it before we even started recording, but where did the name come from? Because it's a very <laughs> unique name, and it's not one that someone's going to forget, right? Especially no. if, if they come, if they, you know, one, if they see your stuff in a store or they meet you at a trade show, like that's just the type of name that's going to, you're just, you're not going to forget it. So where, how did you guys come up with the name? 
Yeah. So even before I tell you that, it was really cool. Like when I was going around in Breck, we put up flyers to try to get more artists for the company. And we would like put up put up a flyer that said, you know, artists, whatever. And we'd like walk out of the store and we'd hear like this chatter of grasshoppers, mermaid, grasshoppers, mermaid. They were like, what is that? And so as soon as that was happening, and that was right away, that was like the first few weeks, everything was happening. I was like, man, that's people, that name's going to stick. So you're right. Yeah. Um, but it was actually, I lived in Dublin my last semester of college. And so that was my blog name and how I came up with it at the time. It's kind of transpired through a lot of different stages in my life, but they say, if you're seeing a grasshopper in nature, it means you're supposed to take a leap of faith. And then mermaids are like the unbelievable, unattainable, not real magic, whatever. So to me, what it, what it has become for my company and kind of the mission statement behind TGM, it's doing all the things that people say you can't do and succeeding in a far bigger way than anyone thinks that you can. It's the magic. And it's just closing your eyes, taking a breath and jumping and seeing where you land. That's, that's deep. I, I like that. Like, I was kind of hoping that you were going to have a story like, well, we were having some drinks one night. Like, we just were like, <laughs> we need a name for this company. And someone just like, you just like drew names out of a hat, right? Like two things that you don't typically think of together with a grasshopper and a mermaid. But when you put it like that, when you, you kind of, if you know the, like the, the meaning behind those two things, it makes perfect sense. And no, I think that that's, how often do you guys have to, kind of relay that message when you're speaking to whether it's just customers, you know, random customers in a store that you happen to interact with or like at trade shows, like do, does that question come up quite often? All the time, especially yeah. when we're, we're sitting down with somebody and it's a new account. People, I would say in the last two years, people finally know who we are. So people come looking for us, but before like we'd be standing up in the aisle at trade shows, we're always wearing like our attire, our, our uniform. I have these mermaid leggings with scales and I have different colors. So that's what our uniform is. So everyone knows us as the mermaid girls. So people will come up and they'll, you know, even if they don't want, you know, whatever we're selling stickers, apparel, whatever, they'll be like, oh, that's weird. You know, what does that mean? And so, yes, the story has been told many times and my grandpa, like I, I said in the beginning, he's a very important part of my life and why the company started back then. Um, and so I actually take his game warden badge with me to the shows. And so when I'm sitting down with accounts and especially like really important accounts, you know, like state parks that we get into or different things, I'll bring it out and I'll show them. And, you know, this is my grandpa, you know, this is why I do what I do. And um, so that's another part that I like to share with people when we're at shows, because I, I think that bringing his badge is good luck. So oh, I like that. And I think that when you know you're having these conversations whether it's with another potential um you know client or customer uh, or account that you guys are trying to, to crack into or to get into or you're just having interactions with customers i think that there's like speaking from a consumer standpoint i think that we look for or i look for is like a relatability um especially when you're speaking to brands or you have that opportunity and it's amazing how often you talk to people at trade shows and things like this and it they have so many similarities to you or they grew up in a town right next to you or, and like those connections that you're able to build in five, 10, 15 minute conversations. Like it's amazing what that does for the business, for the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. Um, like just to build a relationship. Yeah. 
Because, like, our booth, especially at trade shows, um, like, um, I, I like to take pictures and videos of, like, the booths around us. Our booth is super colorful. Like, not only do we wear colorful mermaid leggings, but our background is beautiful scales. Like, our banner is colorful. Our products are colorful. All of our stuff, even our mountain collections, have kind of, like, a like a pastel kind of hue to them. They're not, yeah. like, super hard, bold. Like, primary colors, they're softer. So, like, when people come in, you know, we like to invite them. We like to talk to them like we know them. I like to kind of consider everybody a family. And so, like, when we see our customers or meet new customers, you know, we talk to them as friends. We're not corporate. We're we're very chill. We're very <laughs> easy to interact with. Um, you know, but everyone's – people are there because they want to buy stuff. We want to sell you something. Yeah. That's why we're all there. But, um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, just to be able to have that, you know, people sit down, they talk about their animals with us. They talk about, you know, different, different things in their lives. And we have been, we become good friends with some of these people that we work with. Yeah. Because that's always a tricky thing, especially at trade shows and things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Going up to, to booths and speaking with people. Um, you just, you never know really what you're going to get from that person. Right. Cause I've, participated in trade shows i've attended trade shows um some some big ones i went to the the western hunt expo in salt lake uh this past february uh which is certainly geared more towards like hunting and 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 that crowd and whatnot and yeah some people like you go to their booth and it's a very reputable brand or uh reputable company whatever and they're just they don't seem like they have the time of day like if they Mm -hmm. don't recognize you if you're not someone that uh has x amount of followers in the industry right. let's you're right let's say i mean let's just call it what it is then like they don't really want yeah yeah they they don't really want to give you the time of day um they'll like you know maybe acknowledge you with like a head nod or something like that but i think every person that steps in front of the or that stands inside the booth is a representation of the company um and you got to put your best foot forward all the time because you never know who's going to walk in that, you know, just because you don't recognize them doesn't mean they don't own a chain of, you know, a hundred stores across the country. Right. Right. You never know. Exactly. So I want to go back. You, you brought up your, your, excuse me, you brought up your grandpa uh, a few times and I love the kind of what you've told me about it so far, but talk to me about the relationship that you had with him and, and how that really influenced everything that you've done up to this point with the company. Yeah. So, um, I grew up, he was like my main male figure growing up. Like my parents were divorced. Um, He, I would always call him, you know, a few times a week. It didn't matter where I was living in the country, what I was doing, whether I did something really stupid and messed up really bad. Um, You know, he would always just listen to me and, and he was always really supportive and he loved me unconditionally through things when, you know, other people in my family were a lot harder on me, you know, and I, I always felt like I could tell him, my deepest, most messy, disastrous shit without any sort of judgment. And, um, and I valued that. And he was always there for me and he loved animals. And, and, um, I have this one picture of him on my phone with a baby deer that I'm sure he had probably, you know, that he had taken in its mother was probably killed or something, you know, since he worked with the DNR, but my grandpa was a very, um, very special human. Like they still talk about him back where I'm from. They still write articles about him. He was just that person that everybody knew. Um, he's just a very, very amazing person. And so through all that, when he passed away, um, the reason I took my road trip out to Colorado and the reason I ended up moving out to Colorado in 2014 was because 
I was living in Kansas. I moved back to Wisconsin when he got sick and then he passed away from cancer. And when he passed away February in Wisconsin that year, the sun didn't come out. It was below zero every single day. And I was like, I will literally kill myself if I stay here. Like I had vowed to never move back to Wisconsin in the first place, but I, I moved back because he was sick. Um, so I literally got in my car and drove. And the whole month of March that year, the only place I had to be was I had to be in Las Vegas for St. Patty's Day. And I had no other plans. And so I just put up on my social media, does anyone know anyone in any states out west? I'd never been further west than Kansas. And um, one of my friends who was an RA in college, we were in the same dorm together. She said, hey, I've got this buddy out in Colorado. Like, here's his info. Like, if you want to see if you can stay with him, he's really cool. And he, I messaged him and he's like, yeah, my key's here. Show up whenever, um, come in the back door. And I showed up at his place and we hung out and, um, I went and did some more stuff, came back around, hung out with him again. And there's this really cool bar that doesn't exist in Breck anymore. It was called Angel's Hollow. And the bar owner, he was in there that day. We went and got food there. And one of his bartenders was leaving. She was going to go hike the PCT. So he was like, Hey, like, you know, if you want to move out here for the summer, I have a position for you. Like you obviously know how to bartend. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. So packed up my shit and moved out three months later. And, and that's how I ended up in Colorado. The story of, of a friend of a friend, like that's like quintessential Colorado to me, oh, at totally. least in my experience, right? Like, Oh yeah. Like he's here. Like just let yourself in, like come whenever you need to, like, like this open invite, right? Like, yeah, that's, I like that. So with this, <clears throat> the, the presence of your grandpa and the influence that he had on you, did you, you know, growing up in Wisconsin and, me, and, and in the Midwest, like was the outdoors a big part of your life growing up? Like whether it was just hiking or hunting or fishing or anything like that, or like what did, what fishing, did the outdoors? Yes. Okay. Um, but not even comparable to what life in Colorado is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so much littler. Um, yeah, no, there's like, and I'll slaughter it, but there's like this quote from Fight Club, something about like, once you start fighting, like everything else is like turned down. So like, once I got out to Colorado and I saw like what life out here is, you know, what being on top of a mountain and looking out and pushing yourself harder than you thought you could go. It's all about Colorado for me, which really ties into the company and how I've changed my life and who I've become and who the company has become. I really, I don't think that it would be what it is and I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't live out here because there's yeah. just something about looking at those mountains and knowing that you can go higher and, you know, just wanting to, to excel and to go to the top and then go to the next one and pushing yourself. It's just, I don't know, it all translates to being out here. And in Wisconsin, I, I did, I fished with my grandpa um, I still have the first little, was it like, not goldfish, um, not guppy. What? My brain's not Probably working. Jump. Bluegill. Oh, bluegill. Bluegill. Okay. Teeny little bluegill. I still have that. My grand, my, um, my uncle was a taxidermist. And so he, he like taxidermied uh, that. Is that the right term? Taxidermy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, okay. So he taxed it. I still have it. It's at my mom's house. It's a little tiny thing. Um, but yeah, I, I remember my grandpa and I would go out. I, as a little girl, I had a pink power ranger fishing pole that I would use and, I would get scared when the fish would come in. I'd see it and I'd always try to reel it up. And he'd always be like, no, 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 you want to catch the fish. <laughs> and I'd be like scared about catching it. Um, but those are like great memories, you know, that I have with him and, you know, everything when I was younger. So did your life in the outdoors, I mean, well, I guess one, taking one step back, like you said, living in Colorado, like seeing the mountains, like I think it's it's almost like living in a metaphor, right? Like 
seeing like you wake up every day, like you see something bigger than you, something greater than you. There's, you know, like there's almost no shortage of peaks, right? They like you see one, you get to the top and you're like, oh my gosh, there's 50 more, right? right. It's, it's this weird, I don't even, I don't want to say it, it like this mind, you know what I mean? Yes, um, of course. That it does to you. And, but it, it keeps you coming back for more. And yeah, keeps you hungry. You, it does. That's just it. Like it's this continuous drive because you know that there's always another peak, another valley, another peak. Another, like you just, you have to get from one to the next. And I think that that living like that and, and kind of taking that all, all in, it certainly helps continue to, to drive things in, in everything in life, right? Not just in business or anything like that. So has your relationship with the outdoors changed since being in Colorado? Have you picked up more hobbies or? Absolutely. Yeah. So when I moved out here, I didn't know how to swim. Like I'd been snorkeling, but I didn't know how to like efficiently swim. So I think it was within the first year and a half I was out here, I signed up for a half Ironman race and I had six months to figure out how to swim. So my first actual swim in the ocean in a tri suit, it was an open water swim and it was the day of my race because I learned how to actually swim in the Breck pool at the rec center. So that was a catastrophe. I finished that race, but the, like I learned how to do that. I learned I love road bike biking so much. My when I lived in Breck, I would do Vail Pass like three times a week. It was like forty six hundred oh, wow. vertical feet. It was that was my my back and yeah. forth thing. Um, amazing. I loved that. And then I started doing half marathons too. And so I made the decision that I was going to do a half marathon in every state. My original goal was by the time I was thirty. That did not happen. I'm thirty three. But I've definitely hacked off a large chunk of what I wanted to do. I've done Alaska already. I did my my Alaska race in North Pole, Alaska, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of the West Coast, Central, Western America yeah. I've done. I still have quite a bit of the East Coast and all that stuff to do, though. You got time. You got time oh, yeah. to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, how... so I dove, I guess, quick answer, yeah. I dove right in. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. And that's like, there's, there's certain things that, you know, states like Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, you know, a lot of the Western states that they have to offer that we didn't grow up with in the Midwest, right? Like I'm in Michigan here. So like I'm, I was just across like Michigan from you where I grew up. So I know exactly likely, you know, kind of like how, how you grew up. Uh, did you grow up in a rural community in Wisconsin? Mm-mm. I grew up in, I grew up in a college town. So I was, I was in the city, a small town though. Okay. It was like 19,000 people. Wasn't Madison, was it? No, I'm from Pony. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, the being able to ski, like if you, you know, I grew up skiing and I'm, I, I like to get out to Colorado a couple times a year if possible to ski. And it's, it's just not the same, right? Like there's, you ski back here in Michigan and it's, you're almost like, uh, do I really want to do this? Like, I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, if I had the ability to pick up and move West, I would do it in a heartbeat because why not? Right. What, right. I mean, it, there's everything that you could really look forward to in, in those kinds of States. How does the conservation tie into it? And we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but when did you realize or, or know that you wanted conservation, the outdoors, giving back all of those things to be kind of a cornerstone of TGM? Before it was even born officially. Yeah. I knew. I knew when I was sitting down. I remember it very specifically. I was sitting down in my living room. I had a notebook and I was brainstorming. 
And I was writing all the things that I wanted to do. And I didn't even know that it was going to translate into a company at that point. But I was just like regurgitating, like, I hate this, but I love this. I like this. This sucks. I want to do this better. And that's really what it was. I still have the notebook shoved somewhere on a shelf that I look at sometimes. But it was that. It was, you know, I knew my, I wanted to do something. And it, it was really going back to my grandpa. My grandpa was a game warden. And, you know, after he passed away, they established a scholarship in his name um, that goes, you know, it's back at UWSP. He did so many things that were influential with the university for conservation, um, all different things. And I just, I knew that I wanted to do something that was cool. And so when it started out and I was talking to people about it, I said, hey, we're going to get back 10% to conservation efforts. We're going to split it between animal, ocean, and forest. And that's what we're going to do. And I remember talking to someone and they were like, that seems kind of high. And I was like, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think this company is going to make money. Like if we make something, I'm going to give it away. Cool. Like I make yeah. enough bartending. Like I just want to make animals happy and make the environment better. And that's all I wanted to do. You want to do your part. Yeah, absolutely. Cause life's yeah. short and so many people don't like if every big corporation honestly took the time to, to try to make things better and to do their part, we would be so far ahead of where we are now. Yeah. Yeah, it's People amazing. People just don't care. And, and, and that's the cool thing about 2% is if you go through the business page and you look at all of the, the different companies that have made the pledge to 2%, so 1% of your time, 1% of your dollars, it, it's incredible. I mean, there's, there's obviously and certainly brands that are very related to the outdoors. I mean, companies like Sitka or Stone Glacier that are making products that are directly related to to hunting or to fishing, you know, whatever. And inherently, you know, if, if you're buying Stone Glacier gear because you have, you know, some really big hunt, you know, in Alaska or you have, you have like a once in a lifetime hunt, like you want to have the best gear. So you're buying their gear knowing that the end result or hopefully the end result is essentially you want to take from something from the land, right? Whether it's an elk, a moose, a mountain goat, or, you know, whatever. But the fact that companies like that recognize that, hey, what we're selling is kind of directly taking from the land or our customers are directly taking from the land. So we're going to try to counteract that or balance that by giving back to to fish and wildlife at the same time. But if you look across the board, I mean, the the different companies that are on there that have made that commitment, uh, I think is incredible. And that's one of the great things about conservation is you don't have to work in the outdoor space or, or, you know, have a product that is related to that. Like you can just love the outdoors. You can just want to make everything a better place. And through that, they're, they're donating their time and their money. And I think that's, that's one of the things about just companies in general that see the need for that. And you, you made a great point. If everyone that let, let's just say anyone that was related to the outdoors gave 1% of their company's income back. I mean, there would almost be a surplus of money to go around to all these different conservation organizations that they would be like, well, we, what, what do we do? We have this surplus of money in our budget because we couldn't spend all of it. But I feel like that would be a really, really good problem to have if, if you were working in that space. Right. And then it could go back into like education and other things. Like it wouldn't necessarily have to go like, yeah, like if the 
the budget was overflowing with actually doing things and providing, you know, rehabilitation for injured animals or, you know, building overpass bridges or, you know, establishing recycling programs in different places. Like there's all different things that you could do. But then outside of that, education goes a long way. Like living in Tennessee, I was dumbfounded by how little people knew or cared about recycling. Like just nothing. And just to educate so people understand so younger generations will have a better environment in life. I I don't know why that's such a bad thing. (laughs) No, it's absolutely not. And the education, and I've had the opportunity to speak with a lot of uh, people from a lot of different like conservation specific organizations on this podcast. And the education piece is one of the ones that they talk about as being something that is oftentimes overlooked by, by different organizations. But I think kind of in this day and age of, of social media, of younger individuals getting out and enjoying the outdoors, like now is the perfect opportunity to, to educate them because everything is so readily available. You know, if you Mm -hmm. want to learn something, I mean, you can, I mean, Google is amazing, right? I mean, the amount of of things that you can find, whether you want to or not. um, And and yeah, the education is one that it it, it cannot be um, overstated enough. So no, I think that that's, that's, that would be a great idea and a great place for a lot of these companies to, to spend their time and their efforts on. I think so too. So with giving back, what are some of the organizations or foundations that you guys have have donated back to, you know, throughout the course of, you know, the last six years? Yeah. So um, some of our favorite ones are Wolf Hollow and the Whale Museum. And those are both in the San Juan Islands. And interestingly enough, I went door to door and met people up there. I was up there running my Washington half marathon when I came to see what a beautiful place that was. And I met a guy sitting at a bar eating dinner the day before my race who was like, oh, my wife volunteers with this organization. Like, you know, maybe you guys could, you know, get together and meet up. And I had lunch with her. I think it was the next day or the day of my race. It was after I got back, took the ferry back. And um, she connected with me. And, and we've donated multiple times to that organization. And Wolf Howell, they're amazing. They do all sorts of stuff with injured, you know, harbor seal pups and and different other animals that come in, birds and and other mammals. And um, the Whale Museum is really cool, too. It's I'm trying to remember which of the islands, if it's on Friday Harbor, which one it's on. Um, but they do educational programs as well. They educate okay. about the whales. They have whale tracking, and they send out emails. They follow the pods, you know, talk about that, which is super informative, you know, with the kids in school and, and different things like that. So those are two of the organizations that I've really, really enjoyed working with over the past. Now, do you guys have kind of like a, a set list that you say, okay, these are the ones that, you know, are kind of near and dear to us. You have some type of connection to whether it's, <coughs> excuse me, personally, or you, you found this organization, you just love the work that they do, right? The work just really speaks to you. Or are you kind of always looking for, you know, new cool organizations or, you know, someone that's doing something kind of very niche or, or very specific and, and that just kind of really speaks to you as well? Both. Um, So as we get bigger and as we're able to donate more, I'm trying to take the company to look at some different organizations to work with and to be able to donate, you know, little things. I don't like to work with really big organizations because they get so many donations that it's like, okay, cool. Like, are we funding someone's salary or are we actually making a difference with an animal or a habitat, a region, you know, a cleanup, you know, what does that money actually go to? And so these, these small organizations 
I really enjoy that because I've, I've been there. Like I was at the whale museum, you know, I was, I was there. I saw things. I know how this stuff works. So I feel very confident knowing that, Hey, you know, I'm going to do this. My money's actually going to get used, you know, for something that's going to make a difference. So <clears throat> that's one thing that I would like to continue to do small organizations, but I would like to diversify as well. Yeah, no, I love that thought process. Knowing actually what your money is being used for, right? Because Yes, certainly organizations are going to have a certain amount of overhead to to operate and all that. But if you're going to donate $5,000, $10,000, $100, whatever it is, like you want to know that that's going towards a project that they're working on funding, not going Absolutely. towards a luncheon that the organization is having, you know, the following week or something like that, right? Yeah, right. you want to make sure that your money is being is being well spent because obviously that's that's why you guys are donating it, right? To make sure that it's it's being used properly. Right. And that was one thing too, this last year um, with Amazon, how Amazon smile, I don't know if you heard about that or mm -hmm. knew what that was, but yep. um, they took that away from, you know, thousands and thousands of small organizations and that money that they were getting, you know, there's, it's not a, um, not a wildlife thing, but there's a blind cat sanctuary that I also donate to. Okay. And they sent out an email and they were talking about the percentage of their budget that was going away just based on losing that funding from Amazon. And Amazon just made it sound like it was nothing. And, you know, all these organizations, it's not enough to make a difference. But for these small organizations, like it is, it was yeah. it was so much money for them to lose. And it was really sad to see that. And there was a few other there's um, like a bat sanctuary that we follow too. that same thing. They were sending out emails, you know, trying to figure out how else to get funding and when they were losing all that. So it really it really pays to find a small organization, do your research and you'll find one that you associate with and believe in and, and to donate to. Yeah. And how nice is it when you're able to connect with an organization and like the appreciation that they have when you're able to make a donation? Because I've made donations over the past where, it, I mean, you barely get a thank you in like, we're not doing this for, for the attaboys, for the pat on the backs. Like that's not why we're in it. But at the same time, it, it is kind of nice to be like, Hey, thank you so much. Like this money's going to help for this or for that. Like, you know, we really appreciate it. Like you don't even get that. Right. Or right. you almost have to like jump through hoops in order to donate. Like they, they make it really hard for you to give them your money. It's like, what, what's going on here? Right. No, I agree. And, and exactly. And one of the organizations that we've donated to, um, I think the letter, the email that we got, after I made the donation, it was like the next day I woke up and I had an email and it, it was from the director and she was like, oh my God, wow, thank you. Yeah. Like, just like floored. Like, hey, like you chose to donate this, like your full amount this year to us. Thank you. Yeah. That goes a long way. It right? does. Because that organization that I donated to when it just left a really bad taste in my mouth and I felt like it shouldn't have. And that was the last time yeah. I donated to them. Right? I've like, had that too. And it is, it's an icky feeling. It is. It is. Yeah. I don't like that. So Rose, you guys are six years in. What's, what does the next five years look like? What do, what do you guys have in store? Like that you're willing to share? Obviously <laughs> I don't want any, I don't want to put on any spoiler alerts, but yeah. What is, what is kind of in the future for TGM? Yeah. Um, there's a few large brands that I'm, I have a whole list. I have a four by six whiteboard and um, in our office space. And I have a whole list on the back of goals already for 2024. So there's some, a few companies that we've been talking about doing partnerships with. 
and doing some co-branding. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what transpires out of that in the next year. It would be great if that all comes to fruition, you know, making stuff like that happen. It, it moves slower than the snail speed. Yes. So, yeah. Um, there's so many checks and balances when you're, you're trying to get into a relationship like that with another company. So um crossing my fingers and toes that that stuff all comes to to fruition and um we're also going to be doing some more events i want to start doing a quarterly events now that kayla is part of the mix here um it she's a godsend and we're going to be doing yeah. a lot of really cool things yeah she so, missed the boat not putting on a headset or, or not not trying to join us tonight because we've had to reference her a few times now <laughs> yeah she's over here uh supportively <laughs> supportively sitting at the other computer um but so with that, we, we've talked about different ways to do it. There's a few organizations here in Colorado that we'd really like to partner with and, you know, give them some publicity, you know, do a, an event where we, you know, donate and give some of that money back to them as well. I think that'd be really cool. But my goal would be a quarterly event. And I would like to incorporate fitness with that as well. You know, maybe five Ks, you know, cleanups, different things like that. Yeah. So, um, we also, because of all the, I mean, we're an international company. We have accounts from Alaska. I know Alaska's not international, but Alaska, Canada, all the way to like Aruba, Puerto Rico, um, like the BVI, like all the islands and stuff. So because of that, we have a lot of reps across the country. So I would like to also do some events, you know, targeting some of the places where they're located, like our Southeast East reps. I would really like to do some beach cleanups and different things like that. Um, just to kind of really encompass a lot of different things, you know, yeah it doesn't just have to be one way of making a difference. I'd like to make a bunch of little differences and, you know, people, it's always good to have seeds different places. So yeah. we're going to be doing a lot of things. You're going to see a lot more TGM around. There's going to be a lot more buzz as to, you know, who we are, what we are, what we're doing and where we're going. Yeah. sounds like big things are coming. I'm excited to kind of watch from afar and, and see what happens. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. Well, Rose, I will let you get back to your evening. I, and Kayla, I appreciate you guys uh, joining me tonight. It was great to meet you, to, to hear about yourself and, and the origin story and all that TGM is doing. Uh, I wish you guys nothing but success and, and look forward to getting you guys on here again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Once we start cranking out on these events and stuff, we'll have to come back on and talk about them and hopefully get some more people to come out and hang out and be a part of the team. Yeah, everyone making a change. I love it. Rose, have a great night. Thank you again, and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you again to Rose for taking some time to join me today and tell um, myself and the listeners uh, more about Grasshopper's Mermaid. Be sure and check them out as well as all of the other 2% certified businesses at fishandwildlife.org. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about 2% for conservation, you can check out their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also highly encourage you all to give 2% a follow on social media, where it's going to be only a ton of positive conservation-driven content. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you uh, had fun and, and, and enjoyed the episode with Rose. Uh, stick around. As, a, as always, tons of uh, great episodes and guests coming, um, coming down the way. So uh, certainly stick around. Um, until next week, stay safe out there. And remember that conservation starts with you. Yeah.